This is not a time to be passive. You know, the people that activated early in this chose to do something. And not everybody chose the right thing, but I think the people that chose and didn't choose as well, but at, you know, maybe they were 10 degrees off, their forward progress will still give them a leg up on the competitors who are trying to wait this thing out. That was Scott Thiel of Franklin Covey, international consultant, speaker, and contributing author of the number one best-selling book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Scott advises some of the most prominent brands in the world, along with small and mid-sized businesses, training them how to align their team around wildly important goals and actually achieve them. In today's episode, Scott shares how organizations that have been in isolation and functional hibernation can activate their team into meaningful action that will empower them to embrace the new normal and thrive, no matter where they're starting from. This is a must-listen episode for leaders of all stripes and different seats of the organization. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Market Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McInerney, and with me today is Scott Thiel. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, everyone. Great to be here. Scott, there's a lot of people who may not have heard of you before on this call. Some others may be more familiar with some of your work once you start to tell us a little bit more about yourself. But why don't you give our listeners kind of a sense as to what you've been doing over the last few decades? You've had your hand in some pretty interesting work. I have. I've had the uh, good fortune of been working with the Franklin Covey organization. I actually started in 1993. I've evolved with them through many different iterations, many different roles in the last uh, about 12 years. I've been working as a practice leader around the four disciplines of execution. It's a number one best-selling book that I had the privilege to be a part of. And we're actually launching uh, version two coming up in March. So we've had our hands full working with wonderful clients all over the world. March 2021 will not be March 2020. It will uh, definitely be a time where a resource like that will come in handy. But we're definitely looking forward to the 21. I've had my fill, I think, <laughs> of 2020. I think everybody has. And and speaking of which, you know, one of the things that we do here at the Market Leader Podcast is we only interview folks who get into the trench and make sure that their advice is coming from practice and experience. And so you you coach and train some of the top brands in the world on execution. But I'm I'm curious, how did the whole pandemic affect you and and what did you have to do or pivot to be able to adapt to the changing times? Yeah, it was very interesting to me. There's pre-COVID scots and kind of post in in terms of a number of things that I I do differently. And uh, pre-pandemic, if you would have asked me, how did I feel about doing high-level consultative work via any sort of digital medium? I think you would have got a tepid response at best. I was not really excited about the whole notion. I don't know if it was just a long-held belief or I don't know where I got the paradigm, but I was of the opinion that what I did could not be replicated. Now, I still hold out there might be an opportunity to get back face-to-face and I'll re-examine the value in that as well. But I've been absolutely amazed at the transition. So it really took me a little by surprise. I was not looking forward to the change. And as um, I looked at the foreground, I didn't see another option. You know, it's like, all right, well, either we do no business, uh, we don't help our clients on a a personal basis. You know, a big part of what I do 
the value is in the accomplishments of our clients, which has been fantastic. And to let all of our clients just write it out did not seem like the right approach. So we rolled up our sleeves, went to work. We retooled a leadership session that we spent. It's a high, high-end consultative session that used to be spread over two days face-to-face. And now we spread it over five two-hour blocks uh, live online. And it was a daunting task. Uh, as I just sat down, there was many hours where I just looked at my keyboard and was like, well, here's where I have 14 choices when I'm in the room. How do I put that in digital? And not only just for me, but for the rest of our team, how do I translate uh, the finer points of what we do into this sort of environment? So it was, it was a big ask. Yeah. So you basically, I mean, how many days a, a year did you used to travel to be in person with your clients? It was about 200 days a year that I was out and about. And one of the ways that we measure how often we're on the road is frequent flyer miles. And maybe some of the listeners out there will appreciate this. But I went from doing about 250,000 miles a year to about 250 miles, I think, is what I've done in 2020 so far. So it's been a significant change. You know, like many people, I'm occupying a former uh, room in my house that has been slightly adjusted into a home office. Wow. Yeah, I think everybody got hit. And, you know, God bless the folks at Zoom for making it possible for us to record this right now and for us to be able to maintain business. I mean, it's been a total godsend to have this kind of platform. It's really, for those companies that adapted, it's really helped people stay in business or even thrive as a result. And so you've, you've had all your long-held beliefs uh, challenged. I'm sure you've also gotten to have a front row seat to a lot of your clients and, and the organizations. I'm really curious if you could kind of compare and contrast for us, what are some of the things that the organizations who did really well and thrived during this time, what did they do and what was different about them from those who didn't thrive? That's a great question. And there's a couple of things that I probably want to use to qualify my answer. The first thing is there were some organizations that were decimated. Like, you know, they did not, the, their work went from normal busy to nearly zero. And there were many people that just retreated and are going to try and wait it out. I think those folks are struggling. I had the good fortune of, of knowing a leader that she actually owns eight uh, health spas in Alabama. And all of her locations just instantly shut as soon as the quarantine came. So she went from busy and growing and just kind of a vibrant plan. We'd just begun our partnership together to her not having any revenue. So she, like many people, were able to get a bit of a stimulus check and she passed that on to employees to see if she could just keep them, you know, kind of treading water, doing the best they can, doing outreach to their customers that had been members and, you know, trying to keep people engaged at least emotionally and mentally with the uh, workouts that they had. And as things reopened back up, they're outpacing their competitors for, you know, that type of market. And I think the, the moral of that story for me is this is not a time to be passive. You know, the people that activated early 
in this chose to do something. And not everybody chose the right thing, but I think the people that chose and didn't choose as well, but, at, you know, maybe they were 10 degrees off, their forward progress will still give them a leg up on the competitors who are trying to wait this thing out. So I think on the end of the spectrum where people were hit hardest, it still required some activation. I think all the way on the other end of the spectrum, I've had a number of clients that are involved in some way, shape, or form with services or products that have picked up in demand. And one is a food manufacturer that you would all know, uh, working with them and their demand for their products went you know, through the roof. But one of their leaders was the first one to do one of these live online sessions with us to help us, you know, help them align their strategy to come up with the, the executable targets. That's just really where I spend most of my time. And they were all about making sure that they could take the increase in demand in stride while still maintaining the kind of customer centricity that they'd had in the past. You know, some people just got so overwhelmed that their customer service dropped. And I know you, you mentioned Zoom and, and they have been a godsend as an organization, but man, they got hit. I don't know the exact numbers, but I think their user base went up a hundredfold in like 45 days. It just an overwhelming increase in demand. And the vast majority of the people that were new to Zoom didn't know how to use it. So their tech support went up. I think their brand took a hit from the people that didn't know how to use it effectively. Uh, some of the clients that I've talked with, you know, got out of the gates and didn't use it effectively. So I think they've really demonstrated a couple of things. One, or the masses, that this medium can be effective. And two, that if you're overwhelmed, you just have to keep at it. I mean, they, they took a shot on the chin and they've had more of positive updates and the experience I've had with them has been fantastic. We should talk to them about a sponsorship at some point. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that would be a good idea. And so it really sounds like you've got people on either end of the spectrum. You have those that got hit with a ton of new business and they had to adapt to that. And you also had people on the opposite end of the spectrum that were nearly decimated. It sounds then like there, there probably is a, like a third group, maybe a group that's kind of in the, in the middle somewhere there between those two extremes. I think the two extremes are a little more apparent that you have to do something. It's like if you're just sitting there waiting, watching your checking account balance go down and you're not having any income on those people that are decimated, you know, they got creative. But the catalyst to change was apparent. And I think similarly for some of the larger organizations that had a huge increase, it was obvious they had to do something. I think it's all those people in the middle. So you think about all of this like a bell curve, and we tend to think in terms of bell curves because they help us organize things, people, numbers into useful categories that help us understand more complex situations effectively. And I think those people in the middle, that's really where the differentiation is going to play out, I think, with the most significance. You used the term a little bit earlier, activated. And I think the people in the middle that are choosing, because it's more of a choice here, that are choosing to activate towards a new strategic direction are going to be the ones to pick up market share. I believe, I'll say it this way, if you're choosing to wait, you are yielding market share to the people that are activating today. 
So if that's okay with you, uh, that may be the choice you want to take. Uh, if you don't want to lose market share, uh, this is an opportunity to pick up market share if you can get out ahead of this curve. Uh, some of the steps aren't going to be the most efficient, effective, or, or very pretty. But if you take steps sooner instead of later, I think that it's going to pay off significantly. I wonder if some folks who are waiting or hibernating in the quarantine, which kind of is the, the culture message which is kind of wait it out and, you know, we'll all come back together. It must sound to some folks like that's the safe option to ride it out. But what I'm hearing you say is that that may in fact be the riskier option of the two. But, you know, how do I hold intention as a leader, putting myself out there, potentially, you know, churning through some cash to test different things on a market that's still changing, you know, versus weighing out just kind of waiting for things to settle where there's a clear path and direction for me to take. How do I strike a balance there and lead well? Yeah, I, I think that's the, if you think about it globally, it's the multi-billion dollar, maybe trillion dollar question. You know, how do we balance, you know, this risk worth, worth, uh, versus the action required? So risk and activation, maybe the two things that, that are pulling on it. Um, and I think every organization has to treat a little differently. I certainly am not oblivious to the fiscal realities that people face in this and you know, all environments. And I know we have to balance that. But I think inaction can be the most costly over time. So if I'm a leader sitting at home and said, look, I've done my best to protect cash by not doing anything. Maybe that was the, the best approach for now. But I would consider, you know, coming out of hibernation with whatever is prudent, but maybe at the higher end of you know, your proactivity, maybe something that's going to push you just a little bit. Because if you think about it, all of your competitors, people that are competing, maybe it's not direct competition, but you know, we're competing for mindshare in a space that's got just crazy amounts of turbulence in our whole society right now. You think about not just from a pandemic standpoint, but socially, we've got a bunch of unrest. And uh, you think about product disruption, like the, you know, the Zoom technology. Uh, uh, there's so many things happening so fast right now. And I, I can just imagine, I talked about my parents and their parents talking about the rate of change. And, you know, I, I kind of chuckled to myself like, oh my gosh, you guys are so old. The change is just going to come faster. And I just heard myself say that. And, I imagine that in a few years, or maybe even some of our younger listeners might have already sensed that. that like, dude, deal with it. It's not going to slow down. And I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I think that stuff's going to keep coming at us faster. We're going to have to increase our risk mitigation techniques. You know, you're going to have to be able to tolerate a little bit of risk. I can't put the brakes on everything all the time. I think uh, that, that kind of leads us to this concept of looking out the windshield, you know, as opposed to the rearview mirror. August, September is not April and March and April. And there's clearly a reawakening of the markets as folks begin to move out of this hibernating, quarantined, isolated state. As you kind of project out and look out based on trends you've watched, what do you think are some of those very specific challenges they're going to be facing and how do they identify them? Because right now, I think for a lot of listeners, it just feels like crazy chaos and it could just be noise. How do we start to find signal and know what our indicators are 
that we are, you know, taking right action or we are we are failing to take action? And what should we expect to take place in the future? I think we're going to see a lot of people returning to the workplace, whether that's virtually or physically, with a high degree of uncertainty and you said chaos. I think we're we are living in a moment of chaos. What really helps in times of chaos is clarity. And I think the leaders that can be clear and concise about what's coming up and give people a clear choice and path forward, they're going to be able to harness the energy of their people in a different way. If you just try and tell people to come back to your old work world, they're not going to feel the same. You're going to have to give them a new image. Even if the image is doing the same thing they were doing, you're going to have to paint what that looks like in a new context. So leaders that let people just come in and try and go back to work without building a bridge from chaos to order, I think are going to pay a high price. That's really interesting. That building of the bridge sounds to me a lot like alignment and getting alignment from the team and casting a worthy vision. And all of that echoes for me in my mind to the 4DX uh, concept, the four disciplines of execution that you and the Franklin Covey team created. I'm curious, how will teams effectively create alignment now? We've been, you know, if we think about your standard method of getting a team to be aligned around a worthy goal, a wildly important goal, identify what the, the battles are to win the war. The context for that was physically together in person at an offsite or somewhere on location with regular weekly meetings. I mean, the whole process comes back to my mind. How do I now? create alignment with my team when I can't see them. I can't necessarily detect their emotional state. They may, you know, appear, you know, on the on the calls for Zoom, et cetera. How is it going to affect my ability to create alignment and I wouldn't say consensus, but maybe buy-in and and activate everybody to move forward in one step, lockstep with each other in this new world. Yeah, I think you just briefly touched upon something I believe is really critical, which is, you know, vision casting. The ability for leaders to, to clearly articulate, this is the future state of success. And I think that needs to be reframed. Even if your personal image of success in the future isn't altered based on all of this, I'd be surprised. I haven't met many people, but even if that's the case, you still need to reframe your vision for the people that are returning back to work. Maybe it's just for your customers. Maybe it's for the internal stakeholders. Maybe it's for your external stakeholders. But the future state of success is a critical part of that clarity. So the next thing, as soon as I know what the future success is, then comes that session that we've been talking about. And I have found that the live online sessions afford us that, but it's a different skill set. I would say the Venn diagram overlaps, right? You know, some of the same skills are useful, but there's new skills that we have to learn. And if you're just new to live online, so this was my journey. I've been doing live online meetings for years, but in terms of leading these sessions, you know, that was new in 2020 for me. And leading those sessions, what I found is the technology moved to the front of my brain for a while. And those were challenging time. So maybe part of what I would suggest is as you, as a, as a leader, trying to create this vision going forward and trying to get people aligned around what they're going to do to activate 
be a little bit patient with yourself. Don't expect your first, you know, Zoom brainstorming, breakout room, chatting annotation session to be flawless. That's not even the standard. It is engaging if you just let people understand, look, I'm I'm working on this the best I can. There's some great tools here. If I don't use them quite right, you know, afford me a little grace and maybe help out and, you know, go forward. So I, I think that know that they get better and it will start to move to the back of your brain. I don't know, Ryan, how you felt, but the number of meetings where I've got clients, high stakes meetings that I'm doing on Zoom have gone up so dramatically that a lot of the time I forget that I'm interfacing on technology and I just get really present. But that that didn't happen day one. That's a great illustration. Being present and accounted for looks different. And as you get practice with any new digital medium as a means by which to connect with your customers, the technology when done right and used in the most you know, human way possible, really starts to dissolve and those, those fibers of connectivity reemerge. I think in sales, in marketing, and in leadership, we're able to use these tools to make that happen. But I bet there's a lot more to the people layer, and I want to ask you some additional questions about that, how we are able to get our people not only aligned on a vision, but to regain momentum. Everybody has gotten kind of out of the, the company culture. We've done what we can with Slack and Zoom. But now to really move forward again and survive and thrive, it's going to require that we overcome any kind of resistance that may have built up. So I, w- I want you to hang on and I want our listeners to hang on for that second section. But we're going to take just a quick break right now. As you heard Scott say at the beginning of the show, this is no time to wait. Waiting for things to return to normal, working without a marketing plan, or outsourcing your strategy to a marketing agency all have consequences. Your competitors that are taking action now will capture your market share while you wait this out. Your reduced budgets will fail to be directed to the most critical areas and keep you from growing. Agencies, which now face obsolescence, are unable to give you the speed, flexibility, and insights that you need right now. No, this is your chance to ensure a brighter tomorrow. The in-house marketing teams who learn how to create and execute marketing strategies today will be the market leaders of tomorrow. Blue Matter Strategy Hub is your single destination to create a go-to-market strategy, enroll in marketing training, and book time with leading digital marketing consultants. It's also where you can access leading content, including an upcoming webinar with Scott, which we'll tell you more about at the end of this episode. Go to bluematter.us forward slash strategy hyphen hub to learn more and sign up for free. Listen to the end of this episode for an exclusive discount to join for 10% off. Welcome back, everybody. Well, I want to ask you, Scott, this kind of key question, because every organization is built around people. All organizations are groups of people helping other groups of people solve a unique problem. And so the people layer is where this is all going to come down to. Technology is great because it's maybe connected the organization together. But I've lived through the 2008 recession and now a global pandemic. And so I know well enough to know that another one of these is coming. And if all of the prophecies, if they, if they were, come true, then they may even start coming even faster and closer together. And so it's going to be important, I think, that we develop core competencies about how to re-engage our people, 
after we have recalibrated our vision and our direction. So if you could just kind of help us dive in, what's it going to take or what are we going to be facing within the people layer of our organization and how do we overcome some of those challenges? That's a great question. You know, Franklin Covey, we've been in the people business, certainly for as long as I've been there, and I know um, even longer than that. So if you think about the proactivity of people, being able to tap into that, I mean, I, I think that's the biggest untapped potential energy in the world is the, the proactivity that lives within people. And people are going to express that in areas where they feel that there's going to be a personal return. So how do we build that bridge between organizational strategic intent and my personal victory? And, and we coined a term around this called a winnable game. And a winnable game is something that is strategically relevant. So it's important. And it is something that can be accomplished by the individual team member. So I think this is one of the best leadership questions that you can ask is, is everyone on my team playing a high stakes, winnable game? And if you connect that for people, you're going to uh, connect into that potential energy. When people can see a path forward, now there's a switch in, in our heads called game on. Right now, now we're playing a game that we can win. And if you can keep score, now you're starting to do that. So the, the principles that we tap into with the four disciplines of, of execution are universal principles. We just have built a methodology, but all the, the principles themselves are quite easy. The first is focus. And focus is how do we, in the midst of all of this noise, create an executable target that allows leaders to identify this high stakes game? Leverage is about how do we get it so that when people put their best efforts towards an activity, that it's a high yield activity. So we, get, we give them leverage. And the third is engagement. And this is all around this winnable game where we keep score in a way that they have control over. And then finally, it's accountability. So it's the accountability towards playing a winnable game. Now, some people hear the word accountability as a negative. In our experience, it's actually just the opposite, as long as it's in a winnable game. Accountability in a game you cannot win is punitive top-down. Stephen Covey used to call it the, the great jackass theory of leadership, a carrot in front and the stick in the back, you know, and just trying to move the, the jackass along. So this is accountability is not the stick. Accountability is actually an opportunity to see how well am I doing the carrot. You know, how well am I doing it at winning this high stakes winnable game? Uh, so the people piece to me, you need to tap into the potential energy of your people by giving them that high stakes winnable game and that high stakes winnable game, the stakes have to be tied to your strategic intent. So that's the bridge between your vision and your people. Does that make sense? I'm not, I feel like this is one of those concepts that we're so invested in that sometimes I, I talk around it just a little bit. I think you did a very good job of helping us understand that, especially in this context, a winnable game is an endorsement from leadership that we have a game that we can win, that we do not need to be in survival, that we can actually move towards thriving. And if you can create that compelling vision and that game has a clear path towards victory, then people can understand what impact that will be on themselves so that they can understand, I have a role in this game. This is a game worth fighting for. It's a game we can all win. 
if I understand my part, my role, and move forward with the rest of the team. But as I think about that individual going from, say, deactivated to activated, from what's going on kind of, you know, at home, possibly with a, a spouse or a partner or children, wondering about the future, maybe anxious about the future, am I going to have the same group of people that I did in March or February? Am I going to have some people that have maybe set back on their heels a bit? Am I going to have people that are too anxious to get out of their own way? Am I going to have people that are keeping close tabs on me as a leader and wondering whether or not I make the right moves to see if they're going to make a move when things start to reopen again? Am I dealing with the same team or, you know, at the trench level or have have all the chips changed and outside of my purview? Yeah, I think... If we assume that all the chips are the same, you will not like the results that you're going to get in uh, six to 12 months. Every one of the cohorts that you were listing, I was going like, yeah, oh yeah, yep, and yeah. So each one of them, I believe, is going to be a little bit different. One of this, I'm going to work my way backward. You said, are they going to be looking at me? And I, I say, absolutely. Just think about raising kids. You know, if your parents are frenetic or uncertain or any sort of thing, that trickles down upon the kids. And, you know, I'm not saying we're in a patriarchy or matriarchy in uh, every one of the organizations that we're in. But there's a certain correlation between how you are leading a group, whether it's a family or a team, and how you're acting on your own. And people people can see that. So if if you're creating time to stay deliberate and intentional. And if you're activated and they can see it, that example will go a long way. Now you're going to have people across that spectrum. We talked about people, you know, on the bell curve or people that are thriving and people that are struggling. And I think at the organizational level, that's true. But I think at the team level, that's also true. I believe the number of people who inherently are going to be thriving might diminish a little bit in the short term, at the least. And what I mean by that is it, even our top performers, even people that would choose to be activated, they're living in an ecosystem that's bigger than work. And that ecosystem is going to have an impact on them. And some of their ecosystems will have more impact than others. So even people that are well-intentioned, very proactive, laser-focused at work, those people, if they have a huge disruption in their personal lives, will struggle. A little bit. So I think that, yeah, some of my top performers may have a little bit more of a struggle. So as a leader, what can we do? I think it gets back to high stakes winnable game is a great mental mantra. Is everyone on my team playing a high stakes winnable game? Maybe you need to be specific. So you say, all right, well, you know, maybe this person who um, was a great performer, now they're working from home. And uh, like I was in March and April, I didn't have fiber optic. <laughs> so my internet was hit or miss some days and man, that was rough. And is there something, you know, as a leader, I, you may or may not have the resources to make that happen, but you know, what can you do to take distractions away from your people? And if they're technology distractions or, you know, place and people, you know, could you rent a small location temporarily that allow people to social distance and still go to a more productive place? There's a bunch of things that I think we should just be open to to say the ecosystem is different. How do I create a winnable game? And maybe I have to change the stadium for that winnable game as well. Um, you do have some people that were, that are immobilized. 
you know, they're just kind of frozen by all of this. And one of the things that uh, I wish I could remember the quote exactly, but something to the effect of, you know, character is not created in times of challenge, but rather it's illuminated. Like you see the people of great character kind of rise to the top. You see these people helping their organizations move out. And I hope that as a leader, if you're listening out there, look for those people. They may not be making huge waves yet, but the people that are really just taking proactive steps, marching towards a vision, maybe the best thing we can do is find a way to tap into that, you know, get them together on weekly calls. That's one of the tenets of our methodology with the four disciplines of execution is a weekly cadence of accountability. And that's an opportunity to share a little bit and maybe expand that. You know, or, or find some forum so that you can share the success and hope of the people that have figured out a couple of things and let them kind of share that with people that are still trying to figure out how to get their feet underneath them. Right. Bringing everybody together to learn from one another. And one of the things that we've done at Blue Matter is we've adopted this thing called office hours. And it's really not office hours for us. It's actually for our members. It's an opportunity for them all to get together with their peers from different organizations, but within similar functions and have these kind of conversations about what's working and what's not so that top performers are able to learn from one another. And those folks that might be in the middle or even in the back can either get swept up into that or, you know, Jim Collins said, get the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus and the right people in the right seats. And I'm thinking more about the right people in the right seats or recalibration around, you know, new settings or changes. Well, this is all really interesting, and we are just out of time to talk more about overcoming inertia, but I would love to have you back. And in fact, we have talked about you coming on for a webinar September 10th, so that's just about a week away from today's recording. And so if you're listening right now and this matters to you and you want to think more about what practical steps do I need to be taking to identify my people and know where they're at, know what I need to do for each of those different stakeholder groups within my team to activate them or recalibrate them and get them on mission and and aligned with the vision, uh, then you definitely want to attend that upcoming webinar on September 10th. We'll have the link to that in the show notes and in the description here. And you can also go to bluematter.us and check that out. That's going to be for members only. So you've got to either have a free membership or a premium membership to be able to attend. But Either way, access will be made available to you. Now, Scott, in addition to that webinar coming up, what are other ways that our listeners will be able to get in touch with you and and learn more from you? At Franklin Covey, we have a series of offerings as well that we could, you know, link the the next environment if somebody wants to listen about the four disciplines. I also, as an advisor to Blue Matter, have an email address there. So I'm scott at bluematter.us. If you'd like to reach me there, we'll uh, look in the inbox and and see if we can stay in touch. So on LinkedIn, you can find me at Scott Thiel. My last name is spelled T-H-E-L-E. I should be the only Scott Thiel there. So I look forward to seeing you there and on our next opportunity to chat. Thanks, Scott. I really do appreciate you, uh, you joining us today and giving us your precious time sandwiched in between conversations that you're having with people from all over the world. So we really do appreciate it. And let's stay in touch. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the In-House Marketer Podcast. Remember to start a free membership at bluematter.us or use coupon code 
podcast kickoff to save 10% off your monthly membership. Remember also to register for the upcoming webinar featuring Scott on September 17th to learn the practical steps that your team must take to overcome the friction and inertia set in by the pandemic and get back into lockstep with one another to win now and into 2021. Until next time, I'm Ryan McInerney. Can you give me just a second? First, I wanna thank you for listening to the end. If you made it this far, I imagine that Scott's advice was helpful to you. Producing this show is a labor of love, and if you think we deserve it, would you please give us a five-star review? And if we could have done better, please let us know how we can improve at podcast at bluematter.us. That's podcast at bluematter.us. Thanks.